Hello, it's David Shirley from Irish Funds. On the 3rd of March, we held a live webinar on transfer agency, entitled simply Kill the Facts, in which an expert panel discussed the reasons why in the year 2022, transfer agencies are still accepting faxes. This podcast includes the content from that webinar, where the reasons behind the continued use of facts and other legacy issues are debated, and the panel explores where any impetus for change will come from and how long this may take. You'll hear from Alicia Carroll of City, who moderates the discussion, and she's joined by Stephen Florence of Finergo, Ronan Doyle of RBC Investor and Treasury Services, and Henning Schwabi of Callistone. I hope you enjoy this episode and check back soon for more great content. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for taking the time to join the Irish Funds Kill the Facts webinar. So just to note that this session will be recorded and made available on the Irish Funds website afterwards. So what do we hope to cover in today's webinar? We'll address key questions like why is fax still used in transfer agency and how do we abolish it as a standard medium? We'll zone in on alternative investor onboarding solutions and explore if and how the industry could work together to improve the investor experience. Time permitting, we might also explore other key pain points that lead to manual intervention, such as custom data and reports. We'll be asking you all to get involved and answer our polling questions when prompted. And we will ask you also to raise any questions that you have in the text box. We'll be checking in throughout and we'll try and leave some time at the end to answer some questions. And just a note as well before we get into it that although we might seem like we're picking on facts here, when we refer to facts, we really mean facts and other non-STP channels, such as emailed PDFs, etc. So we'll kick off with some introductions. Um, I'll start. Uh, my name is Alicia Carroll. I work in City Transfer Agency Change Management, and I've been at City for 16 years in various roles, but all in transfer agency and I've worked across operations and change management. In my current role, I'm a section manager for the department, working with my team on prioritized assignments such as managing client onboards, improving SDP rates, and implementing strategic automation solutions. So I'll hand over to uh, one of our panelists, Henning, um, to give their introduction. Thanks, Alicia. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> my uh, my name is Henning Swaby. I'm Callistone's uh, head of EMEA. Uh, I've been with uh, Callistone for four and a half years, and before that, I worked uh, in I worked for a very large asset servicing company for 11 years across a few geographies uh, and a big uh, custodian bank before that too. Um, for those of you who don't know, Callistone is the world's largest funds transaction network. Uh, essentially, what we're doing is that we are we've been killing the facts since 2008, uh, as and trying to bring straight through processing. Uh, into uh, dealing uh, and uh, uh, all kinds of messaging that relates to facts. Uh, we're not a transfer agency, we're not a custodian, we're not a nominee. Uh, we are a messaging network um, and uh, we are here to help you with uh, any kind of uh, non-STP processes you might have. Thanks, Henning. And uh, Ronan, if you'd like to introduce yourself, please. Thanks, Alicia. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ronan Doyle. I'm the Global Head of Product and Profitability for Transfer Agency in RBC Investor and Treasury Services. I've been with RBC for just over three years, uh, and I've worked in the industry for well, well over 20 years across both both asset servicing and, um, and asset management. So uh, obviously for us, um, 
uh, eliminating manual process is a major priority across the, the jurisdictions and the markets that we operate in. It's a major priority for our clients also. So very much support, looking forward to the discussion today. And Stephen, please. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks very much, Alicia. So uh, hi, everyone. My name is Stephen Florence. I'm, I'm the head of asset servicing at Finergo. Um, Finergo are a fintech, and we specialize in, in, in one very, very key area uh, around digitalizing the investor lifecycle. Um, so that's everything from your investor on board all the way through to the off board and, and everything in between. So ongoing due diligence, periodic review, uh, risk assessments, AML, KYC, AML screening the data document management and so on. I just, I, um, I've been with Finergo for, for five years. Prior to that, I was with uh, multiple other FinTechs uh, for the last 10, 15 years. I guess if I describe my my, my, my days, I spend, uh, I spend most of them just uh, encouraging clients to move away from spreadsheets and email, printing out massive subscription documents, and of course, uh, using the facts when it comes to managing investor onboarding and reviews. Thanks, Stephen. Um, so we'll get stuck in. I suppose just to echo something that Ronan said, I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Um, at the start of my career in TA as an administrator, um, I spent a lot of my day running to the printer to, to collect faxes. Uh, we were pretty much 0% STP at that point in time. Um, and even though, you know, fast forward 16 years, we've made huge progress. Um, there's still a lot of inefficiency, lengthy cycle times and risk that goes along with fax processing. And it's a persistent problem statement uh, for our operational teams. Um, so I suppose that leads us on to our first question. Um, so the industry often says that we're 90 odd percent automated, which sounds really positive, but it still leaves room for millions of annual instructions with associated costs and risks. So why is fax still a commonly used processing method? Um, and I might ask Henning um, maybe to take that one first. Cool, thanks Alicia. So um, yeah, why is fax still a thing? I mean, it's the, uh, you know, we're, we're in a totally different millennium from when it was originally created. Um, and, I, and I really loved when you were describing your first uh, role as a TA administrator, uh, and I could uh, I could picture you actually going to the fax <laughs> machine and having to take it, take out pieces of paper because that's that's how it, that's how it was you know that's literally why fax was you know was originally used so much is because it allowed you to take the equivalent of a letter in the post but to put it through the telephone line uh, and to get a piece of paper out the other side that looked and said what it did and 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 the key and and the most important thing that sits on that fax instruction uh, is the signature. Um, and uh, for those of you uh, who are in the processing industry, you'll all have your A signatories and your B signatories, and you, you know, you'll go through your process of, okay, so this is the signature, and what have I got on file? And that way you can check from, from one to the other and make sure that they're correct. Um, and Fax was great for that, because it did allow for you to be uh, able to do that, and could even potentially allow you to have a look, did it come from the correct phone number? Because you know, to some extent, when fax was uh, was used, I guess in earlier in earlier uses, then um, it was almost like a point-to-point -point connection that would go across the phone line, and you know, so therefore it was viewed as being highly secure. Um, however, uh, these days uh, that's changed a lot. Um, a fax image or a fax process these days is no longer someone handwriting a letter onto a piece of paper and feeding it into a machine, and then someone taking it on the other side. In most cases, it's a computer that is, I guess, 
sending through the instruction uh, saying buy or sell this many uh, units or this much value um, and the output from that computer is a fax uh, image um, and the signature that's on that image is actually computer generated there's, there's there it doesn't get printed out and someone signed and sent through and so you know so that does really beg the question why are we still using fax um, now um, the, the interesting thing when when I talk with uh, with uh, TAs and distributors and asset managers is that in many cases um, these organizations are talking about getting down to the long tail if you like of the automation processes so you know the big complex uh, volume driven uh, distributors have uh, found a way to move to infrastructure whether they've invested in that infrastructure themselves or whether there are organizations like Kellerstone who are making it easier and uh, you know for them to, to be able to do that without uh, investing heavily um, the the reality is we are down to that long tail and some organizations are still quite conservative um, or uh, in some cases there might be cultural reasons why faxes are still being used so you know so to take an example um, in Asia and I lived uh, I spent six years living in in Singapore I've lived in Japan um, and in many countries in Asia, there's this concept of the chop, uh, which is uh, still used. And that's basically, it's a stamp that you will stamp onto, uh, you know, onto your document to confirm that it, it comes from you. That's your authentic authentication method, uh, if you like. Um, and so, you know, that's a very difficult thing to move away from, from a cultural perspective. And so in, in some cases we, we do see, you know, cultural reasons for, for faxes to, to still be used. But, um, the, the reality is um, we are now in, you know, in the third millennium. Um, it's 2022 um, and for the most part, uh, technology exists and the means to get around, I guess, or, or to be able to authentic or authenticate messages um, is uh, is there in a way which doesn't have to revolve around facts. Now, one of the key words or well, one of the key things that you raised right at the beginning, Alicia, is that we are using the word, you know, facts here, but we are also in many cases talking about uh, non-straight through processes. Uh, and so you could also include emails or PDFs or letters in the post or, you know, you name it. These are all, I guess, the parts of the industry that we, uh, that we are now trying to focus on automating, um, especially as we look to some of the loftier goals that we have around digitalization, uh, tokenization, Amazonification, anything that ends with an Asian on the end is kind of, you know, <laughs> buzzwords uh, at this point in time. Um, and that's really where we're, we're trying to get to. Um, but we are having to go through this long tail of organizations who, uh, for cultural or historic reasons, are still uh, preferring to send a small, uh, and, and these are not the big scale uh, uh, users, it's uh, it, it tends to be smaller volumes, potentially bigger tickets because it's private wealth or, or, or whatever it might be. That's kind of the reason why at the moment we're finding it hard to automate the rest of that long tail. Thanks, Hanning. Brownon, anything to add? Um, any other reasons that we have, do you think, that, that there's still facts in use other than things like, you know, the chop or kind of cultural aspects um, or just the fact that we've always used it uh, historically and some people just haven't moved on to more digital methods? But I, I, yeah, I, I think the inertia uh, element is, is a big one, Alicia. Um, I agree with everything Henning said, um, but I think, you know, what is the benefit 
um, for the distribution side of the industry in converting to electronic means if they have a convenient means mm -hmm. of sending transfer agents or fund managers uh, something that outputs a fax, let's say, or, or that kind of format, as Henning explained. Um, and, and that's a tough one. And, and the industry has made good progress on that in relation to financial transactions, so subs, red, switches, and so on. Um, so inertia is one element. Infrastructure, industry infrastructure is another element. So if we look at subs, red, switches, and so on, there's a lot of industry and infrastructure around that right now. Um, hence why we talk about STP around that space in the 90 percent territory, if you like. Um, mm -hmm. Other areas, though, of the TA value chain are, are quite well behind that. Um, I think I could give the example of, of transfers, for example, which, again, there are solutions coming on stream um, uh, for that kind of thing. For investor onboarding, there are solutions coming on stream for that. But if we compare that to, say, the evolution of SWIFT and other electronic means of trading, let's say, they're still relatively early. So uh, I think the other, the other point I'd add is, for as the industries become more intermediated, particularly in the European offshore space, TAs uh, tend to deal less with retail investors directly. We still do, but not as much. And I think there's probably more uh, industry infrastructure supporting the institutional or platform space uh, than there is maybe for the retail investor uh, mm -hmm. from, a, from a digitized or an electronic trading perspective. Um, so that's something I think the industry needs to consider. I know, you know, is considering. So I would say that um, as we move forward, unquestionably, we'll see these solutions across the value chain proliferate. Um, and the same kind of progress that we've made on financial transactions will be made in those other areas too. And then we'll be down to the, the same kind of conversation we're having on financial transactions, which is the, the fat tail or, or the tail end uh, and how we we push those into the automated space. And I think there is something then that there's an industry discussion at some point to be had around that and, and how mm -hmm. we facilitate that industry discussion collectively, I think is going to be the, the biggest challenge rather than executing on, on whatever we decide as an industry uh, following on mm -hmm. from that. Yeah, because otherwise you just have that legacy piece that always has to be managed and, and solutioned separately. I think that leads us on nicely actually around into um, our first poll um, that we wanted to do. So if we could just bring that up on, on the screen. Thank you. Um, so who ultimately decides that fax will be discontinued as a standard onboarding and processing medium for transfer agency? So do we think it's the transfer agents um, who need to um, you know, put a policy in place to say they'll no longer accept facts. Do we think it's the asset managers as part of their product offering to, to discontinue its use as a standard? Or is it down to the distributors and investors? Do they ultimately get to decide when we stop using facts? So please select A, B or C there. And I think we'll, we'll come back to this in a few minutes to see um, what the audience thinks. Okay. Um, so having kind of understood maybe a little bit about the lay of the land, um, can we explore what options we have to get away from facts? So what are the alternatives that are in place? And is there, as um, Ronan alluded to, a way that the industry could work together to find a solution? Or do we think it's more down to individual users? Um, so I'll ask Henning if you can uh, take that one first, first, please. Yeah, thanks. So, so actually, um, in your intro, Alicia, you used the word abolish, 
uh, and uh, and I love the idea of this because we because we, we do we do you know kind of talk about this sometimes in uh, in in one to one meetings with our clients with partners and you know um, there's there's two things about facts about the technology first of all about this. so let's take facts first of all and then consider uh, what you know wider non STP processes so first of all facts is it's a very old technology um, it is and was reliable but actually increasingly um, it does it doesn't provide the same level of security that was that it that it was uh, able to provide before you know one of the reasons why fax is used instead of email is that people will, will suck their teeth and say oh you know we can't we can't accept an email because of cyber security reasons uh, and and then you have to delve a little bit deeper and say okay so what kind of cyber security reasons oh well you might get hacked or you know, but, but these days, actually, the way that a fax works is it, it provides a computer image, if you like, and it's not coming from a specific phone line to another phone line. Um, you know, the way the way that a fax, the way the fax technology works is also starting to be dated. Um, and, you know, it's 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 highly possible that within a few years time, it won't be supported anymore. So just purely on the fax technology side, if I take the question and we, and we look to this, you know, to try and co to consider, I guess, non-STP processes more more widely, um, and then the question being around, you know, what are the options to get away from facts? Um, you know, how could we abolish it? I think um, I think the industry, you know, the industry is is split into three camps as far as funds are concerned. You have the manufacturer of funds or the asset manager. Uh, you then have their their appointed uh, transfer agency or their back office. Uh, and then you have the fund buyer, uh, and as the the uh, the poll is alluding to, I think it's super interesting to try to figure out well who ha you know, who has the power uh, on that basis, um, and uh, you know in my, I, I have my own view. I'm quite interested to see what the what the audience what the uh, audience think uh, as to who it is that has the the power, if you'd like, to decide. We have those uh, results in actually, Henning. Um, if we want to bring those up on the screen now. Um, so very interestingly split across the three, <laughs> almost evenly, um, which I think is interesting because it means that there's very diverse views on um, who it is, who decides, or possibly there's a view, maybe we should have had a, an option D, all three, um, that, that, you know, maybe it is a combination of all three as well. So, so I like to follow the money. Uh, you know, the, the, I guess this is what we're talking about with you know, with a number of different reasons. If you follow the money, then you can figure out who it is that holds the power, so to speak. I, at least I think. And 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 more often than not, at least this is my opinion. I'd be I'd be really happy to hear my my panelists' uh, view. Is it's the distributors who have the money? They're the, or the investors. They're the ones who are doing the investing. And more often than not, they're the ones who will decide, or based on their ability. To, to invest will say, well, this is the way that I'm going to invest. Um, and the uh, asset managers are the organizations who are who want to get the money. They're the ones who are making the product uh, and it's the, the distributors who are buying. So the asset managers will more often than not, if someone says, well, I've got 100 million euros to invest and I'm going to send you a fax, you know, I think many many asset managers would probably want to take that money, however they could get it, um, to, to make sure that they are supporting the the objectives of the fund more widely, of course, and you know for for the other investors and so on and so forth. Um, and the transfer agents or the the administrators are essentially enabling the uh, the uh, the manufacturer, and so 
you know, kind of taking on whatever they, they are told to take to some extent. Now, I think each one of these have interest in being able to move to a more digitized, uh, digitalized process. Um, and, and one of the things which I thought was quite interesting when Ronan was speaking earlier on as well was talking about, um, I guess, the difference between, you know, the distance from a retail investor over, you know, to an institutional investor um, or in a, an institutional process. But I think it's interesting because we are in an institutional uh, industry, yet we all have smartphones. And so we are all also retail people. Yet, and it's interesting how in our day-to-day -day lives, we expect you know, immediacy, we expect technology as far as what our smartphones can give us, yet we are happy to accept a, a different process when it comes to the, to the institutional world. And I, I think over time, we individuals will want to make that change anyway. Sorry, I spoke a lot there. No, that's good. Thanks, Henning. I'm just interested to, to see what Ronan, um, your views are. Were you surprised by the results of the poll there um, or as expected? Or have you got your own view on, on who ultimately decides? Uh, I have my own view already, Alicia. Um, <laughs> you can imagine which way it's skewed too. Um, but no, look, I, I think it's probably a fair reflection, right? And it goes back to, to Henning's points. Um, as a TA, if I go unilaterally to my clients, so fund managers, and say, uh, right, from, from tomorrow, we're not accepting faxes, there's a fair chance that they will at least think about going down to st the street to uh, some of my competitors to say, well, will you do that? Uh, and if you say yes, then, you know, that has potentially a, a business impact, right? Um, from a fund manager perspective, I completely get that ultimately they're in the business of asset accumulation. And uh, if they have a distribution executive out trying to secure a, uh, a, a large investment from a distributor or from an institutional investor, probably the, one of the last things they're going to worry about is whether that's going to be sent to the, 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 the processing agent or the transfer agent um, via fax or not. Um, so we, we, we understand that and, and you know ultimately, we need to support that as TAs, um, or, or certainly have done. The distributors, or the distribution side, if you like, um, I probably have a bit more of a, an issue with because uh, you know they are not incentivized to do anything different. I guess uh, would, would be my view on it, uh, and ultimately they're the originators of the of the of said facts. Um, so I think one of the things the industry needs to do, and it probably needs the, the transfer agents and the asset managers really to put their heads together on this, is to figure out how to, other than working with the likes of the Callistone, for example, to, to encourage and cajole, uh, or, or to go directly to those distributors and encourage and cajole, now what can that side of the industry, the manufacturing side of the industry do to actually say, right, um, you know, time is running out on this. And, and I think obviously moving to a we're stopping tomorrow scenario is probably not the way forward, but but certainly uh, setting a, some sort of timeline for it um, would be important. I think the, the, what you're what everyone what, what's already in place, for example, is uh, is disincentives on the on the transfer agency to fund manager side because pretty much every transfer agent does and has for a long time charged more fees for manual trade processing than automated trade processing for obvious reasons. So I do think it's getting to a point where the industry needs to get together and understand what it needs to do here because it's ultimately it's not in anyone's interest um, 
for, for these things to come through. And, and I think on the TA side, for example, you know, we would need to be able to articulate to the asset manager side that, you know, if, if this had a material impact on our business model, then we would be willing to pass some of that on. Um, obviously, I'm not speaking for all TAs when I say that, but but that would have to be a consideration. But equally, asset managers need, would need to buy materially into that into into that initiative. But but again, to the earlier point, why would they? If you know today they're getting their asset flow, does they, they get charged a nominal amount by TAs for 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 fax processing and so on? But it's not interrupting their business. Whereas uh, TAs turn around saying they're not receiving accepting faxes would obviously be a much more material issue for them. Mm -hmm. So it's not an easy one to fix. I think if, if it was easy, we would have fixed it by now. Uh, I think the, the cajole and encourage model has worked well in certain areas. And going back to my previous point, where the solutions are available and widespread uh, or, or, or multiple solutions are in place, uh, that model can work and make a lot of progress. Mm. So it's actually, uh, and, and, and it, sorry to cut across it there, mm. uh, Ron, it's actually an interesting uh, comment that's come in from the audience that I might just uh, read out. So um, it says that one of the challenges with automated methods such as SWIFT is that different TAs have different policies and procedures in terms of the fields and what they'll accept, etc. So many TAs may not uh, accept a SWIFT cancel message and ignore any content with uh, special instructions. So um, this industry needs to to do something similar to the ISITC to have best practices that are generally followed by participants and then that standardization would make it easier I think is the point for um, them to, uh, to adopt that swift method of sending in uh, messages. Anyone yeah. want to comment back on that one? Just really quickly I, I agree completely I think a standardized approach across the industry is the way to go. Um, again it's the question of how we get there as an industry that, that's the difficult element. It's not actually implementing that once it's agreed. Uh, that, that's mm -hmm. my belief. Yeah, there's a lack of um, there's a lack of technology or even formatting standards in, in many cases. And um, if you if you look at the the infrastructure of the of the transfer agents out there, of the distributors out there as well, let's be honest, is that a lot of these uh, organisations have legacy technology that would that was built or written in the 70s and 80s and are still being used. Um, and so, so in, in some cases, the, that technology is quite difficult to change and to adapt. And of course, when, when you're talking about standardization, you always want everyone else to adopt your standard rather than you have to adopt, to some, adopt someone else's standard. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not an easy problem to fix. No, no, and just really quickly, I'm jumping in on this yet. It's not just the TAs that have their own standards either. Again, in defense of TAs, we see that amongst different distributors also who want us to accept different uh, ways of formatting SWIFTs and so on. So it is truly, it's an industry challenge, no question. Great, okay. Um, so maybe if we can zone in a little bit now, we've spoken a good bit about uh, trading, um, fax trading and maybe alternatives. Um, we obviously also have fax receipt of investor onboarding. It's a very arduous process around that. Um, so what are the main changes that we're seeing across investor onboarding and how has investor behavior impacted these changes? And maybe uh, Stephen, if you could take that for us. Yeah, thanks very much, Alicia. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to comment on the, uh, the, um, the, the question as well. Obviously, it's hard to see so many wrong answers, right? Uh, we all know what the right answer was. No, it's, but it's an interesting one. So I, I think, obviously, I'm looking at it from a very specific lens around the investor onboard. 
and the use of the facts. And I think it's, I, I guess it's, we have to acknowledge that outside of our industry, you know, the, the fact that the facts are still a consideration probably surprises most when I spoke to my family and friends about this topic, the obvious raised eyebrows, the right smile and so on, and probably most wondering what I actually do for a living. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if we always, uh, it's, it's Henning has touched upon it, Ronan has touched upon it, our day-to-day lives, you use Amazonification or whatever occasion we were talking about, Henning, but, you know, all of our life is digital, right? From an investor, from an investor's perspective, whether it's online, whether it's banking, really everything, for every facet of our life. So it's the same. It's the same when we got to think about the investor experience when they're when they're onboarding. And and to talk about how it's changed, I might just bring you through some good some 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 stories from when we started from Finergo perspective, started talking about this to all all the way up to the present day and all the way to, to meetings we had today. So when we when we started um, looking at this challenge um, across the across the industry at Finergo, um, we're obviously doing it from a from a traditional banking side and so on. But when we looked at it from a TA perspective, we, we drew up on a whiteboard what we thought the best practice approach to an investor on board was. So digital first, automated, streamlined, digital portal, beautiful beautiful to look at. And we went and we presented to a, a, a transfer agent and um, I won't say who, who, who it was, uh, but uh, they just looked at us like we had two heads and I said, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. You're, 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 you're at the, the right answer. But you need to just bring us bring us on on that journey. And this was three four years ago. Um, and then at the same time, there was another client we were working at around a similar time. And this was a client of ours who were we were doing the the future state target operating model. And the the questions the question came up saying, how are we going to integrate the facts into this digital process? Facts is the starting point. Um, you know, and you've got analog and digital, and just there's no they they, they don't they don't they don't link. Um, and we're getting through the conversation, and it's you know there's conversations around. Well, you know, faxes can be digital. As Henning has pointed out, right? Faxes can be digital, but it's not. It's just not 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 when you're thinking of that investor experience. It's not really where 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 we need to be. And that was so that was three or four years ago, or you know, and 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 obviously COVID has had an impact on this. So three or four years ago, it sometimes feels thirty or forty years ago in terms of the massive digital transformation, particularly around around this area. And if I actually bring you to fast forward to to this week. Of, of how much has changed in, 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 from a perception within TA and, and, and asset management is I had, a, I had a meeting with a prospective client this week and they're, 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 they want a digital investor, institutional investor onboarding. And the goal was no paper, no paper whatsoever. And that's for whether it was the subscription documents, the e-signature, EID and V and so on. And that's across the board. And, and the, obviously the term fax didn't come up at all. And then another meeting that I had with a, with one of the larger TAs today, um, more yeah, more traditional five hour workshops we had today about the strategic target operating model. What will good look like? Fax wasn't mentioned at all. We just you know it's not on the table. Email wasn't mentioned at all. It was all around digital portals, OCR, auto indexing. You know how can we enhance the customer and investor experience? Because that's really what what you know what they're what, what they're looking at. So. You know, it, it, digital first uh, and investor empowerment transformation, it, you know, it used to put transfer agents kind of ahead of all of their peers. Now these projects are kind of just, just to keep up with the, with the rest of the industry. So, and now we're all starting to look at what's next and what the exciting things are next. So it's an interesting in terms of those, you know, in the very short period of time in, in, in relative terms for TA, three or four years, how much has changed from a transformation perspective. Right, thanks, Stephen. Um... So 
Ronan, anything else to add on that in terms of the investor onboarding piece? Just maybe quickly, Lisa, to say that we talked about trade processing and financial transactions and transfers and so on, but actually onboarding for me right now is is the new front, if you like, in the war against facts uh, and manual activity. Uh, if we look at that space, we've had an uptake in regulation over the last five to 10 years. If we look at the events of the last week, we can see that it's, it's going to continue to be a a massive focus area for regulators going forward. Um, again, the European offshore space in particular, because of the markets it deals with from a distribution perspective has all sorts of different formats and types of identity documentation and so on that come into us. Um, and, and, and equally, it's the area I think that when I talk to our clients, it's the, the area that they're most concerned about um, because they wanna make sure that their investors have the smoothest onboarding experience that they can and by smooth that often means digital doesn't always but all but pretty much mostly does um so i think the industry is i, I is, is taking steps obviously to to try and address that um but i think it's in all our interest to do that um sooner rather than later so it's a massive focus for us uh, i think it's a, a focus for, for tas in general right now thanks ronan um I suppose following on from that then, um, how can the industry work together to improve the collection and maintenance of investor information that's kind of tied to that onboarding experience for the investor? Um, Stephen, if you could take that. Yeah, no no problem. I suppose we move past kind of the what what all TAs are doing internally, the, the question always comes going, how can we work together, you know, as a as an industry to make this this simpler Why? Why does one investor need to go to Ronan and then go to you, Alicia, and, and go through the same process over and over again? I think this is a um, a question that's been that's been going around for a very long time. There has been, you know, this centralized utility. I know a lot of the SIs here in Ireland and in Luxembourg have attempted to bring something together, and, and it has failed. I think we're we're probably all aware of that or have been involved in it in some way, shape, or form. It's not a technology reason, but really a, a, a an operating model process that we just don't want. To, we don't want to centralize the data. It just doesn't seem to be the right answer. We can't align on operating models, et cetera. So we, 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 we get the question all the time going, right, this is brilliant for us. The rollout for us is great. We're now going to be able to share and reuse information across at least our number of clients. But how can we do that for further and further and and we are kind of seeing the answer to that certainly not being a centralized utility i think if we you know given a few examples but also if you look at bloomberg entity exchange and and and, and markets there's hundreds of millions of dollars of, of unfortunately spent capital there that just hasn't worked so we're looking at a more of a decentralized model and it all comes back to a lot of the things that we kind of talked about today and, and, and i always feel investors you know kenning said follow the money investors drive a lot of this i feel investor empowerment to say, actually, I want to share my information with City. I want to share my information with RBC. Um, and then that's the best way to do it and not have this centralized utility model. It just doesn't seem to, to, to work. So that's, I think that's the, you know, the, there's a lot, of, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of phases to go before that. You know, Ronan, Ronan mentioned for himself and for others, there's a lot to do to get everyone's houses in order. But the next step is how do we actually extend this out further than just our own our own our own, our own selves 
And it's back, I suppose, again on the, the investor onboarding piece to opportunities for industry collaboration um, to assist with that. Okay, um, I can see there are some questions coming in. Um, if anyone has any more questions, um, send them in through the text box. Um, we might just go to another quick poll, um, if that's okay. So when do you predict fax acceptance will be discontinued for transfer agency onboarding and trade processing? So is it going to be in the near term, the next one to three years, and the medium to longer term, four to 10 years, or do we think we're never going to get rid of it? So please select A, B, or C, um, and we'll have a look at those results then in a moment. Okay, we might just go to one of the questions that came up in the, um, the text box here. So um, what is the panel's thoughts on the regulator's role on removing the facts as they have guided the FSPs to um, have to make available all trading options and not just electronic, i.e. Portal, Swift, et cetera. And uh, maybe Ronan, if you could take that. Yeah, I think there's definitely a role for regulators to play. Um, you know, when we talk about the industry, the regulators are very much part of that. Um, and I think Henning made a point earlier about the the fact that maybe due to inertia on behalf of, of the industry, we accept the facts as being, if you like, tick box from a risk management perspective to some degree. Right? Uh, but we worry a lot more about cyber risk and, and so on associated with certain types of, uh, of, of electronic um, exchange of information. Um, and I think that that needs to be reevaluated. Um, so from a risk perspective, you know, as technology gets older and so on, then I think fax is becoming more and more risky and not less. Um, I, I, I think whether the regulators would step in and say, we're not allowing fax anymore, I very much doubt I wouldn't expect them to certainly encouraging. I've seen certainly more uh, from regulators recently, particularly through the course of the pandemic in different markets, encouraging uh, and enabling to a greater degree the use of more digital infrastructure, be it cloud, be it uh, different types of solutions, electronic signature and so on. I think that's to be welcomed. I think that will continue. So, but yes, that they have a role to play just like the rest of us do. Uh, and I, I think the, um, it's interesting to talk about the regulator, and I agree with um, with Ronan. I don't think that the regulator will ever say, "Oh, you can't use X, Y, Z method of of communication." As I, I doubt that they would want to become that prescriptive. But the, um, I mean, the, the regulator is is a part of the government as well, and I think um, particularly when we're looking at um, AML KYC uh, processes, and I'm not I'm not talking about suitability, and I'm not talking about you know. Um, due diligence and uh, that kind of but, but when i'm talking when we're when we're considering amlkyc and i don't want to trip myself up here because we, we do have uh stephen here and he knows a lot more about this than i do let alone ronan but i think from my perspective one of the big game changers that will come when it comes to you know that part of the the digital journey will be as and when we start to see things like electronic identification um where if you have the the state if you like that guarantees the validity of someone's uh, identification, then that will make it a lot easier for digital processes to take place um, because it will be a lot clearer as to, you know, who holds the baby, if you like, if if a mistake was made or if if a if a KYC journey goes wrong and someone else, you know, 
if, if some money laundering takes place or if, if, if there's a pair or some criminal activity or you name it, it kind of gets into the system. Um, one of the challenges I think at the moment is to understand, well, whose responsibility is that? Is it the transfer agency who did the KYC? Is it the asset manager who, who should know who's coming into the books? Is it the distributor who allowed someone to come in and or the distributor itself? Bearing in mind that, uh, you know, at the institution level, everyone's regulated. So, uh, you know, I think, I think talking about the regulator must mean that we then start to talk about government and supranationals as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks, Hanning. Um, so I think we have the results of the poll there if we, we want to bring them up. So, um, you know, not too pessimistic, um, although I think the majority um, seem to think it's not in, in the nearer term that we're still going to be uh, using facts up to kind of four years time. Um, any comments or observations from, from the panel on the results? I would tend to agree, um, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. But I would be optimistic, though, that it will be in that timeline. I mean, if you look at everything that's been implemented, that has been implemented in the industry, we talked about SWIFT trading and so on, but there's other things as well, like API infrastructure and so on, that a number of, of industry participants have in place already and so on are using. Um, you know, we've talked about, or we haven't talked today about, but the industry's talking a lot about distributed ledger and how that will play a role in the future. So I would be more, probably more optimistic now than, than I ever have been that, that I can be achieved within that timeline. I think when we get to a point where, again, where we've got nothing but fat tails across all the different elements of the value chain, then I think it becomes a lot easier just to um, to maybe make a move on the facts finally, if you like. Yeah, mm. yeah. and I wonder if we'd split the question in, just onboarding versus trade processing. Mm -hmm. That have made a, a a difference. One for next time, Stephen. <laughs> um, there's a great comment actually that's after they're coming through, which is um, that um, we we might want to call ourselves anti-faxers. <laughs> it could be a new a new term that we use. It could be you know a group of people who are anti-fax um, from now on. Um, okay. Um, we might just touch on um, some other elements of um, the TA process that, you know, cause manual touch points um, before we, we finish up. So um, TAs are still spending a lot of time producing reporting, custom data extracts for fund managers and distributors. Is there an opportunity for us to move for us to move away from this approach and introduce more digital models across the industry? Um, and just ask Ronan maybe to take that. Yeah, sure. So I think I touched on the likes of API infrastructure and so on earlier. I think that is proliferating across the industry. Um, we're not there yet in terms of having, obviously, in order for, for that to work, you need both sides being able to digest and, 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 and accept the, the information, the formats and so on. That's the, always the, the, the challenge, but, but I think we'll get there and, and, you know, also, I think through that process, we'll arrive on a, a standard accepted set of data that can be exchanged. To some degree, it exists already. We just probably don't formalize it in the same way. And then really, it's a case then of empowering investors and fund managers and so on to extract the data that they want themselves on an ad hoc basis or, or create reports and so on. And a lot of transfer agents, uh, ourselves included, have that kind of capability already in place. So. 
again, I think, yes, again, it's one of the, the hidden areas, if you like. We talk about STP and so on, but transfer agents spend a lot more time working through manual processes on investor onboarding and reporting than we do on uh, on trade processing these days. Um, so it is something that, again, the, the, that we collectively need to address and um, and it will remove costs and ultimately the industries it will be the beneficiary of that. Right, and probably one minute left there, uh, Henning, anything to add uh, in terms of the custom data piece? Yeah, no, um, I, you, we're only as strong as our weakest link, and you know, this is not a blockchain reference, um, but the, you know, if we want to enable fully digital experiences, if we want to take advantage of APIs where you can come in and take what you want, as how you want, when and when you, when, when and when, when you want to receive it, um, then we need to we need to get rid of the I guess the manual processes which are the ticket to entry for for that utopia if you like. Great. Okay. Um, well, I think you know we've covered off what we we had planned to today. Um, looked at you know some of the the reasons behind the faxes. Um, had a look in particular on investor onboarding. Um, got some of the views of of the audience, which I think were very interesting insights. Um, so that brings today's webinar to a close. Um, we will consider any questions that we didn't get to as future topics. So thanks very much to the Irish Funds for uh, arranging the webinar um, and to our expert panellists for their insights and obviously to the audience as well for taking part. Um, and we're hoping that you got some value from today's session. So um, there is a post-event survey, if you could please provide your feedback there. Thank you very much, everybody.